It has been a win this year to get a couple of like very interesting three D. Both of us launched courses this year. That was a huge win for for yeah. both of us. All right, Sophia, let's um let's talk about AI and we like AI. Like I was watching YouTube videos from earlier this year and like the way that AI has just exploded. Like it was so it was brand new at the beginning of this year and now everybody's using it. Imagine that you go and tell uh, Mitsuni to create a lander set and it does and it look it looks beautiful. But then if you're not a designer, you are probably very excited about something that cannot be made. Like 3D and AI couldn't be more different, actually. And I think it will always be important to, to, that the, the 3D designer understands the actual construction. Hello, welcome to Underdressed, the podcast where we talk about the clothes under our clothes and exactly how they get made. My name is Trudy Gardner. I'm the freelance designer behind Wayfinder Lingerie. In this show, I'll be exploring the art, practice, and technical execution of intimate apparel. We'll be taking a behind-the-scenes look at this industry and trying to understand exactly how designers balance creativity with functionality, specifically as it pertains to our hardworking yet delicate base layers. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the show. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying to you before I recorded, this is the first bra that I worked on with Kristen. And so I have like a 3D version of that. And it's uh, it's actually it's a mentionables bra. So like my first production pattern that I actually made for a, a brand like it, with the Kristen, Kristen Anderson team, but um very proud of it. So it's there on display now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And your 3D render is beautiful too. So <laughs> yes, yes, one I'm very proud of. Okay, so the topic for today, I am very excited to have Sophia on with me because she was my first podcast guest for this year. And now it's the end of the year. And this is episode number 20. And Sophia and I are going to talk about how we've come along over the year, just like general how life has come along. And we'll definitely talk about Clothe 3D because like it's like our main source of connection. And um yeah. So welcome, Sophia. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Trudy. Like, I always love to be on your podcast. <laughs> always love it. Yes. Um, okay, so I kind of have some some ideas prepped for us, and we'll just let the conversation flow as it typically does. But um, let's talk about our big wins for the year. Like, you, um, let t- t- tell us a little bit about what you do overall um, in the lingerie industry and your big wins for the year. So I'm a designer and a pattern maker, and lately I've been focusing more on 3D projects. So for me, it has been a win this year to get a couple of like very interesting 3D projects, like very comprehensive and like push my skills a bit in that sense. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I don't know, can you tell us about those 3D projects or are they still undercover? Like they haven't been um, pu- published yet. Actually, I think both of them, like the bigger ones are published now. So like they are both for uh, companies that are doing like a Kickstarter or crowdfunding campaign to make them, like one of them is doing a Kickstarter and the other is just using the renders to create the pre-order page for their products. 
so smart, yeah. right? Like this is what we're always talking about. Like you want to prove the concept of your product without having to spend like tons and tons on development. You can do it in 3D. Let's let's look at it in 3D. <laughs> let's show it in 3D. And the thing is like 3D, I don't know. I, I don't know if people realize that 3D is the same. At, it's, it's a, it's just a digital replica of the actual product. It's the same scale. It's the same pattern. It's, I think, I think maybe I have caused some confusion in this area. Cause when I started on my 3d journey, it doesn't have to be the same. Like your, your 3d product isn't, doesn't have to be a perfect replica of your like actual physical product, but it can be. And now like, I think we're both on the same page um, that it should be. And it like, it's, it's, it's your, blueprint of the product it's everything all the information of that product in a 3d form so um I think we miss it I think we miss that point often yeah. I, I I certainly did when I first started I was like oh yeah it's just a good it's a good way to like test the like the idea of your product but it's it's more than that yeah I think because in the beginning we also didn't have all the resources like for example we didn't have maybe good avatars that would look good with the same, like for for panties, like the crotch issue on clove avatars, it's still an issue. Yeah. So if you wanted the crotch to look good on the avatar, it needed to be narrower than the actual pattern. So I think we kind of divided the 3D work and the pattern making work at the beginning, but now like, for example, I'm using the Albanon avatars a lot because they are more accurate. So, and that allows me to use the same pattern that I use for production to create the, the 3D sample. And also like with the new, uh, the fabric generator, fabric configurator yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, then you can input the details of your fabric and get a more accurate representation of that. So I think it's very exciting that now we have the possibility of of do that, like of creating a real digital twin. Yeah, as good much point. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a series of problem solving, right? That we've like we've and there's not a ton of information out there on how to do it for intimate apparel so like just connecting with each other we've like helped each other problem solve some of these issues but you're right that was it was for us in the beginning more of like a representation than than the real product because we didn't know how to make it more like the real product which is yeah I, I guess I I forget that we've learned a lot this year in terms of like w the potential it can hold to be the real product that we that I missed earlier not I, not that I missed it but that it we I just didn't know how to get there and I think I think we were always trying to get there because we we realize how valuable it is to have like this this 3d representation of your product but it's just taken time to learn the skills and and, and just identify the problems and then figure out how to solve them and it's been really nice to have like resources that we can connect to and various just like just kind of like this network of people out there trying to solve the same problems so that we can like apply them to our work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like also by creating these like digital versions of the real, like the maybe it's a garment that hasn't been produced, like in my case, for these people that were doing a Kickstarter and were like in pre-production. 
uh, like I, I talked to you about this, like one of them actually showed the renders to the manufacturer and the manufacturer like kind of changed the way of um, attaching some parts together because they said like, oh no, like it makes more sense like to do it like this and blah, blah. like it's a, it's a useful tool in production, not just in market, like in marketing, obviously like you can sell your product without having to go through all the sampling process and then like, oh, the, maybe the customer don't like, they aren't interested in this color. So we have manufactured it for nothing. But in the production stage, it's, it's actually quite useful to have a digital version of your, of your like prototype. So the factory can understand the construction details or like what material is best to use in this particular area because it's going to be like under more stress or whatever yeah exactly that's super interesting like to for the fact so we start we before we had digital samples and and the way that it largely still works is that we send a sketch right like you send a 2d flat sketch and um you make it as detailed as possible to show like all the construction details in it but when you have a 3d sample they can look at the side seam and see how that's constructed. They can look at the interior of the bra and you can put a lining in there if it needs to have a lining in there. Or if there's like a bow, like there's some garments where we have like a bow covering the hook and eye at the back. So I can show you that, like just move this bow out of the way. I can do that in 3D and I can show you that the hook and eye is in the back. So it's, that's just, it's such an amazing tool for communication for you to be able to send that to the factory. And now the factory can identify construction issues or, or give you advice on how the construction of that garment should be made because they have a really good understanding of what you expect it to look like. Yeah, yeah. That's and like, so this is something that I also realized this year that I was like you, like more like, yeah, like the 3D side is more like visual and for like marketing or like design decisions, blah, blah, blah. But no, like it's everything is integrated or can be integrated. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say my wins. So yes. yeah, my big wins for the year, um, definitely joining the Kristen Anderson team as a 3D designer. And I got to get a really, really good, it's exactly what I wanted to learn. Like the process of how a garment goes from idea to production. I've been able to sit in on their fittings and apply those fittings in Clo 3D and just like be a part of developing their 3D procedures it's so much fun. It's so satisfying to be part of this like growing project. And Kristen is just such an amazing, like, just like this very open-minded leader who's just willing to like try new things and test out like new ideas and, and just very like, and she's not critical or harsh if something doesn't go right. She's like, she's like, let's find an answer to that. Or let's just go back to like, what does work without being like critical of, you know, the process overall. So it's just that's that's definitely been my biggest win for the year yeah yeah like I I love hearing you talk about like oh this week I've done this for Kristen or I I have learned so much or, like it's very exciting to see you learning new things because yeah. also then you explain to me new things so yeah exactly yeah especially in pattern drafting because before before working on like like we work on like like 
probably 10-ish garments a month. So I get to like go and look at those garments, look at the patterns, look at how they're fitting on the body, and then look at the pattern changes that we expect to make in 3D and then see how like the response, like what the 3D, um, like when you simulate in 3D, what, what close 3D is showing us compared to like what we expect the pattern to do. And it's always like, well, it's not always, like it's still, it takes like a certain eye. You still have to understand what the pattern what the garment what the change you need to make to the pattern is to achieve the fit you want on the garment and you have to understand that I think still in real life first before you can understand what's happening in 3d but I definitely think like that's the way forward I've been like I'm always just keeping an eye on the industry and trying to understand what's happening and it's starting to be taught in schools now I'm trying to in the new year find some like uh, professors who would be interested in coming on the podcast. Uh, I'm talking to someone from De Montfort University and also somebody from Ryerson. You know, previously Ryerson University it has a new name now, but um, like they're just getting themselves up to speed because it's like finally like making its way. Like it's so valuable for as a tool for learning pattern drafting, and it's going to be making its way into the industry. Um, it's been <laughs> we're always talking about how it's been slower than um than you would expect because it's such a valuable tool but there's a million reasons why um it's it's slower yeah but i think if now like the new generations of designers and pattern makers have been trained in close 3d from the start or like in 3d in general doesn't have to be close uh i think they will come to work with that mindset already like ah why don't we mock this up in close it's super easy like here like exactly. you don't, they don't have to learn this as a skill when they are already working and they don't have enough time blah 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 so yeah hmm. I, I think that's a big part of it is is that it's a if you are already a practicing designer pattern maker um employed in the industry or, or freelancing you probably have these skills already and they work for you as they do so it's a big ask to um learn a new a whole new like way of working yeah yeah I'm, but I'm always trying to like get that perspective <laughs> like it always blows me away so much that it's that it's just this really useful tool and it's not um like mainstream yet it's coming I think it's coming but it's um it's, it's, yeah, it's it so will possible. definitely yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, let me see what else we got topics that we have on on our list. Um, our courses. So both of us launched courses this year. That was a huge win for for yeah. both of us. Just a fantastic learning experience. Just a great way to connect to other people learning Clow 3D. Tell me about your experience with the course. I like. I am super proud of myself actually because uh, like even though um, recording the course took a lot longer. Like I had. I wasn't so like overly optimistic as you. <laughs> like you thought that the recording was going to take like I don't know two weeks. I thought it would take a week. I thought I would be able to get it done in a week. So yeah, it took me like three months. But like I I knew it was going to take a long time, and it took that time and maybe more. But I'm very proud of myself because I'm like 
I'm super shy and I don't like to see myself on camera and listen to myself <laughs> and everything. You should be proud of yourself and you have no reason so, to be shy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually talking about shyness. It's been, that's been really interesting. Like I consider myself a shy person. Well, it's not shy. No, like not. I, It's not shy. <laughs> the, it's not shy. It's like just quiet. Just prefer not to be on the spotlight. And that's why I always like have guests on my podcast because like there's far more interesting people than me to have like opinions on things um but um yeah it's I think when you're I think it I think there's a, a lot of skill to just observing observing and and like listening to what others have to say um yeah kind of and asking the right questions too. yeah yeah, yeah. So you're definitely not shy. You definitely come across as shy in your course. And I found it very valuable. And I had done like we had been working together, like learning pad pattern drafting and, and working in Chloe together for several months before I watched your course. And when I watched your course, I still learned new things. And that's mm -hmm. like the key takeaway. I think I am a huge proponent proponent in investing in learning because there's even if you think you're like an expert or like that you're well versed, there's always something new to learn from somebody else who's working in the same program yeah yeah definitely. like even the workflow of a different person and things like that like oh like yeah I know this tool already but this person is using it in a completely different way or like in a way that I hadn't thought of so exactly, yeah exactly <laughs> um I I want I have like I don't know if I have goals on our list but I want to get around to like our goals for the next year or our expectations and and one of mine is um to start doing more like short youtube videos on just the little things that i'm interested in like something that i learned this week in clo i don't want to do like thorough like foundational um clo tutorials i think there's tons out there but just like yeah. more like here's like a little tidbit that i learned this week that you know might help somebody else out there Okay, yeah, so speaking... that's really valuable, actually. Like, I, I yeah. saw the one you published uh, about the particle distance, and I'm sure there's something that we take for granted, but a lot of people, for them, is like, oh, what is this? No, nobody's talking about this. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah. I know that's a shout out to um, Daniel, who has a YouTube video from a, a while. They're old now. There's like year. They're from years ago, but he would um, he would do Twitch live streams and then um edit them and, and he has them published on youtube and unfortunately I, I heard he took a lot of them down but even what he has left on his youtube channel is super useful it's that kind yeah. of information like they're long they're really long youtube videos but like he just like points things out that you never really thought of but are useful to understand in your application of using the program yeah so talk about your courses. Well, okay. Your course yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, huge, huge win for me. Yeah. Same thing. I just, you learn like better communication skills, right? Just like sitting there and making yourself talk through the steps that you're doing. Um, And then it made me better at Clo because it made me like have to understand the tools and exactly how they work so that I could properly present how they work. Um, and it was just super fun. It was it was fun to just give myself time to sit there and like go into the details of of how I use the program. So, yeah, that the courses I feel like both of them have were such a big win. Yeah, yeah. Like I, like I, we even spoke about this. Like 
and we said like even if nobody signs up like we had such a fun time making them and like exactly. learning about more things about Chloe and all of that like they are worth it and actually some people sign up so mm-hmm. yeah exactly they've had their own intrinsic value like they yeah. they were worth doing just for the sake of doing like they were fun and they made yeah. us better at what we do and wh- and then whoever signs up that was like that was like the bonus aspect to it yeah. like whoever <laughs> like if people are getting value out of it from like what we put out there in the world like that's that's extra yeah I mean, uh, yeah <laughs> yeah which brings me around to so we tried our twitch live streams that was one way we were trying to connect with our students and that i i put in the category of fail for the year <laughs> we worked so hard on like trying to set up like these twitch live streams but just like figuring it out how to do it with the both of us was really complicated and then I really hate the twitch platform like it's just not for me like it's just like I found it so overwhelming I open twitch and somebody would already be like on my screen talking or not just sitting there like, like <laughs> I don't know I don't know twitch is just not for me um, but I do have, there's, I, I don't have anything set up specifically for what I want to do next year, but I like, that's still always in the back of my mind. Like I'm doing the little YouTube videos, but I want to do something more collaborative with, um, either like, I, I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's going to look and shake out. I've been trying to get Kristen. We did the, um, the intimate I see, I see the intimate conversations in clothes, yeah. the workshop this year. And that was also a big win. Um, a lot of people came out too. And it was the same, kind of the same experiences doing the course. Like there was, it was good for like my public public speaking skills and also just learning more about presenting information in Clo. But um, I wanted to say like it um, just, it was, it was really fun and it, it was again like intrinsic value like I liked doing it for its own sake and I want to move that forward and I'm not sure exactly how it looks because it took a lot of time and energy and effort to like get those out but we got a lot of positive feedback from it so um we'll figure it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like maybe maybe you could do like now that you have a YouTube channel that is active <laughs> maybe you could do so, like so live active. videos <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Live video. I I don't know. Yeah. It's just up for discussion. But uh, partly is that I want to do it with other people. Like I don't want to, I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to, it's just more fun when you do it collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How about you? Any, any other fails that you want to identify for the year? Mm, I don't know. Like the, the Twitch was one. (laughs) Like I feel the same way. Like Twitch is so overwhelmed. Like, everybody's there doing I don't know what they're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. like just to to set up the things to stream and everything like that just took hours and I think we only managed to get it right one time yeah maybe more than once maybe two or three times there were at yeah. least twice and we did have like people who came and watched which was super interesting yeah. because like we barely published like we barely put any information out there on like how we were doing it so it's cool that whoever if you're listening right now whoever came and and did watch we love you yeah yeah like I think that was the the positive experience I had with tweets like the the day we were like I think it was 
when we were talking about the design and the plus size bras and all that, that we had a couple of people who commented and it was very interesting. And I would love to do that again, maybe not do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think, yeah. um, I think, I think we overcomplicated for the reason why I wanted to do it on Twitch was because of Daniel, like this guy's YouTube channel. Like I loved it. And he's like, like it just seemed to work out so well for him. But, um, but that's like the danger of just trying to copy somebody else maybe. Right. Like just cause it worked for him doesn't mean it's going to work for me. I think just YouTube would have been like either like pre-recorded YouTube sessions or like zoom sessions that we just hold like, like we put out to our audience and then say like, Hey, come join us on the zoom. We can record the zoom and then publish that on you on YouTube. Like there's, um, I don't th I think it's just like, but like, I think it was overcomplicated, but I, I don't think, um, it was not, like fails aren't failures unless you don't learn from them. Right. So it's, they're just learning lessons that we're going to be able to use moving forward. Yeah, yeah, like we have learned that we like engaging with other people and doing life. We have learned that we don't like to do it in <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so one win that I loved from you this year is your exploding bra. <laughs> we looked at that. We were looking at so um that was inspired by Rosa Kramer because she has one on her website, and I was like Sophia like look how cool this is I wonder how she does it and then like the next like like it was like one or two weeks later and Sophia was like I did it <laughs> yeah like and actually it was much easier than what I had expected because I I was trying to do it in blender because I thought oh like I don't know that it can be done in claw like this anime garment animation so I was trying to do it in blender and then I was doing other things in, because once you start looking at one tutorial like you go down the rabbit hole and then you end up doing a completely different thing and I was like with notes and stuff and then I I, I watched some people doing a similar thing and a tutorial in like uh, style 3D or something and I thought like if it can be done in the size 3D, like the same theory should work in Claw, and it did. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm I'm also happy that I did that because like I tried to like once I had the animation like the exploding thing, <laughs> I thought like what what can I do with it? Like what is like. Yeah, like it's pretty. Like to this see is cool. This exploding animation, yeah. but like what? Like what's the use of it? Hmm. So I I had the idea of putting like the the callouts of the different parts. Yeah. And a lot of people found that valuable. Like and on LinkedIn, I shared that on LinkedIn, and some people messaged me to or like commented on the post and said like, oh, that's super interesting. Or that's like, uh, like a uh, one person said is it was like um like a summary of a tech pack like you yes, could see all of the yeah, garments uh, exactly. like all of the different parts together and then how they come together on the garment. yeah yeah that's super and cool. I, I that love was... that that thing yeah. yeah 
it was a it was a panty that you did um mm -hmm. not a bra I called it a bra earlier but it was really cool yeah because you show like that 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 post is called something like did you know how many parts there are in a panty and it's like yeah exactly what it is but you see it all come apart and you see the puzzle all come together and it makes sense like it's such an interesting way to present it for those call outs did you do that in um like premiere afterwards yes yeah yeah yeah, no, like yeah. I don't think they can be done in clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's so cool. Like, and that's just, it would be good for, I feel like it would be really good for marketing to show something like that. Hmm. I'll, um, I'm trying to make my videos better. So I'm going to see if I can like put it, I'll put it in this video. So if you're listening on the podcast, you'll have to come watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Okay, what is so the exploding bra? So that was really cool, and yeah, that was really cool. Just to for, for me to watch your process, like you you shared how you did that with me, and I was like, this. <laughs> we met somebody else this year, and they were like, Sophia, you're a badass, <laughs> and like you totally are. <laughs> like Sophia just seems like nice, and you called yourself shy and like sweet, but like you're hardcore. Like you are so good at problem solving, and like just figuring like, I just like getting to like great design in the end. I'm so glad that this is a podcast so that people don't see me blushing. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch this YouTube <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think so that funny. having that like our weekly calls together, like because we come together each week more or less and share what we have been done each week. And that makes me like push my limits in a sense. Like it's like, oh like now uh Trudy asked me about the exploding bra. Like how like maybe if it was just a personal project it would have taken me like months not, until yeah. I have the time and, yeah, yeah. but now it's like oh let's see if I can have it done before we meet like, yeah because then we have another conversation it will be like something that we can actually bring to it that's really cool yeah yeah I love it accountability not it's not even accountability it's just it's just like it keeps these ideas at the forefront of your mind like it's like oh like I'm gonna have that meeting this week and like the, this is the topic that we wanted to discuss. So like, let's, let me see if like, it just like, it just keeps it, it just keeps it floated at the top, I think without too much pressure. Like, oh, it's not like I have to get this done. It's just like something that's would be interesting to, to look at together. I love yeah. that. I think that our biggest win is having the conversation that we have between. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. honestly like I think it it's making us better in so like too. in yeah. each of our areas of expertise and also knowing what's out there because like <clears throat> we have yeah. talked about this like you are uh, interested in like Adobe Substance and other parts of like 3D design and I'm interested like now for example I'm interested in animation and blah blah, blah. so we like I don't need to learn Adobe Substance if you are going to learn <laughs> because that that way yeah, yeah. Like, we'll be able to I share, can know share. how it works like not to make things myself but I know how it can be implemented in a 3D project and if I need that like I can just say like hey 3D <laughs> exactly I'm going to hire you for this thing and, exactly yeah. yeah texturing texturing is like I feel like a big unlock for me it's it's on my list there's two big um things that I want to learn next year mm -hmm. and it's texturing in Adobe Substance 
and understanding nodes like like the whole like node system and also just like public speaking like I just want to get I just I just I really like the podcast and I really like just doing presentations and being able to like speak clearly and concisely in a way that's engaging I think will be useful like it's just a useful skill to have yeah, but you are already very engaging when you speak. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You make it easy. You make it easy. <laughs> um. Okay. What else do I have on here? The exploding bra. We love that. Updated features we love in Chloe. So Chloe has come such a long way. We start. I started using it about two years ago, and it's come such a long way in the in the last two years. Even with like this very most recent update. Um. So, what's your favorite feature from from the most recent updates? Besides, like <laughs> before we got on this call, Sophia was saying that she was having issues with clothes. And we're like, oh, no, it's like the worst day for that. But Chloe usually sorts these things out. Like, so, yes, when there's updates, you often there's often issues with them. And then Chloe comes out with like patches. So um, let's just talk about like what's worked for you and what you like using. Yeah, no, like in the from the la last update, like I like the soft body feature, but I think it could be better in some ways. So I have to say that my favorite is a feature that nobody talk about. <laughs> like this um, new like match up two lines by measurement. Yes, it's I love amazing. that. Amazing. I'm like generally I'm like nodding my head. Like, yes, I love that one. It's so good. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Like yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. It's super useful. And I forgot that like I when they published it, I was like, oh, this is super cool. And I've been like waiting for this. And I forgot about it. And then I was working with Christian, Kristen one day. And she was like, why don't you use the match line tool? I was like, oh, yeah. Like now, like I use it all the time. Somebody asked us in one of like a um, the Intimate Apparel Technical Collective meeting the other day that if you could like match all your lines. So, yes, you can do that now with this new feature. But it would be nice if you could just like run like a like a spell check like are all my lines match <laughs> like can you tell me if like all my seam lines are matching and like if it's like a gathered seam or something you can just be like accept you know <laughs> yeah yeah like maybe for the next version <laughs> yeah I don't know if anybody's like working on that specifically but it'd be a cool feature um and then soft body I think it's really cool like I did a little just like a really quick YouTube video on the bra that I have for my course and then I, I turned on soft body and I made it like the softest it could be and you could see like there was like an indentation in the um in the upper bust and then I turned it to like the medium and that indentation was gone and like the hardest and the ind and obviously the indentation the indentation was gone and then so somebody asked me for the indentation on the soft body how would you manipulate the pattern to like accommodate for that and I was like excellent question so that's going to be on um, it's like a future list of a YouTube video that I would I would make and we can talk about it right now so I think I would um, it, there's like an overlap a crossing overlap at the front and I was thinking that I would attack that I would attack that by like increasing that overlap mm -hmm. mm. I don't know I would have to see that you'd have to see it yeah because yeah. I like I think what you need to do is raise the neckline a little bit and I thought maybe if I moved the strap in towards closer to center front that would move that line um to maybe make it not so cut in so much at the soft tissue but I know that when you move that strap too too much to center front you get like a flattening effect on the breast anyways maybe it's something that like I'll play around with and I'll, I'll get your advice on and we'll see 
yeah, just, yeah, just can, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. like I I think what I'm missing from the softball like I really like that feature uh, but I think it it needs a couple more updates <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, And that's on that on that same garment, somebody asked about like scapulas because like it kind of comes out under your arms in the back. And they were like, Oh, I wonder like how it would work like on your back scapulas. I'm like, good question. And when you turn on soft body, there's no bone. So it's just like soft there. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think they fixed like the first time they did the soft body, like we tried it on a, I don't know if it was a live stream too or something. It was a Twitch um, live stream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the bra kind of like, mm, I, it was a bodysuit actually. And mm-hmm. it like, it became like into the avatar, like into the shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it became part of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it just kept getting sucked in. Like you could only turn it on for like 10 seconds or like the straps again sucked into the arms. But yeah, Yeah. I've noticed that's not happening anymore when I try it. I think think they might have improved that. Yeah, but I think they, like, I guess it should be like super difficult to see like in which areas it's supposed to be soft and in which areas it's supposed to have a bone underneath. So it's not so soft. But what I think it would be easier to do for them is to actually explain how that, like, the body softness of yes. yeah. relates that, to a body. Yep, yeah, same. That, that exactly. What, it's like 8,000. You're like, yeah. what does this number mean? And you can, like, you can compare it to itself, like, when you turn it all the way to soft mm. and all the way to hard. But, like, it would be nice to know, like, it would be, I don't know, how would you do that? Like, would you say, like, this is a person with, like, 20% body fat? <laughs> this is a person with, like, you yeah, know, maybe. I don't know, 35% I... body fat? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think they they could be, like, like they could maybe, like, make public some of the data they have used yeah. to calculate that. Yeah. Like, actually, what is the, the baseline? Like, obviously, exactly. everyone is different, blah, 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 but. But yeah, exactly. This relates to this body and show like a physical sample of it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think that would be coming. And I was I was thinking um, also that relates to the elastics like they have the new elastic fabric, which I love and I use it all the time, but I'm not sure like it has a strength and it has a there's two factors. I forget one strength and one soft stiffness, I think. And um, I don't really know, like I asked, I went out and I asked them, I was like, what exactly, like, does this relate to? Because most bra strap fabrics have a certain like feel to them, right? Hmm. Or I guess they can be all over the place as well. But it would just be nice if I could compare it to something that I actually, you know, use. Yeah, because you can choose between the, like the woven elastic and the knitted elastic. But also, there's a difference between different woven elastics. Like, yeah. yes, like usually the woven elastic is like a bit more, like less stretchy <laughs> in a way. Like, yeah, it's more like what you would use for the straps of a bra and not as much for the leg line of a panty. But yeah. there is a, a range. So, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Cause I don't know what the physical effects are. I've just been using the default and it's been working generally. Yeah. most of the time pretty good but sometimes like if you're working on I was working on a strappy strappy bra yesterday and it was like it was just way too strong and I turned it down and I was like 
the length in the tech pack was that fit on a real body wasn't working out in clothes and it had to do with like I don't know exactly what the properties of these elastic need to be to match like what I have in real life yeah yeah but like I think in general I would like to see a bit more communication from the club people yeah. <laughs> when they decide things like uh, the fit maps like the new yeah, yeah. map that is like the pressure map and the other one that tells you if certain areas are too tight to wear mm -hmm. like yeah but too tight in which sense because maybe you are using a very stretchy fabric or yeah maybe exactly are, um yeah. they have a strain map they they taught when i did the technical course this year and they talked a little bit about the fit maps and there's a strain map and like if you're if you have like a very stretchy garment it will be all red but that's okay because the fabric is yeah. made to be strained um yeah yeah but like it's not like I... it's hard to find information hmm. like Obviously. my mental process is like if i am i have applied a 20 percent of reduction to a pattern and then i turn on the strain or stress like one of the two <laughs> And it said like it's at a hundred and twenty percent. It's like okay, it's working because I made it twenty percent exactly. It should smaller, be, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's having twenty percent like strain on it, yeah, more or less. But it's a bit, I don't know, like it's not intuitive, right? Yeah, so, it's hit yeah. and miss too. It doesn't always like well, but and that comes down to like the fabric, right? So it used to be harder to find fabrics that are representative of the fabrics that you're using in real life you just have to scour the internet like Boset or Vmos <laughs> or like wherever you could find fabrics or like mess around with those sliders like to figure out like the physical properties of your fabric but they have the new generator which I think is super cool because all you need to know is your fabric content the like weave of your fabric like whether like there's a whole like it's not just woven or knit like there's a huge range of like different types of weaves that the fabric can be or types of fabric and then you could also just you just need to put in the gsm so basically information that you can get from your fabric fabric supplier you can put that into the fabric generator now and it comes up with a i i so far how, as much as i've played with it it's it's come up with reasonable fabrics that i've been using Mm. yeah have I you think, played I with think... it much sorry have you played with it much the the fabric generator uh yes like i had <laughs> i had mixed results okay <laughs> generally it works very well but the other day i tried to replicate uh, a fabric that i own like um straight silk satin and the problem is that it didn't let me to include um the percentage of elastane like the fabric is 97 or 90 90 something percent uh, silk and the rest is elastane so that it's stretchy but it's not a neat fabric and it didn't like it, it was like okay you want silk it's going to be 100 percent silk oh interesting <laughs> interesting why so there was no why? option there was no option under the silk fabric to have like a silk elastane combination no, like okay. I could choose a blend of like cotton and silk mm -hmm. and whatever and a polyester blend too, but I couldn't say. There was no okay, blend of just silk and elastane. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Know. So there's still workarounds. We're still, we're still working around work workarounds. 
yeah but i think figure something out though did did what what did you just figure did you just pick a different like fabric combination like okay this fabric has to have some cotton in it then no i went to the closet store thing yeah yeah and found something that more or less was similar okay yeah interesting yeah yeah it's i mean i think it's going to be like that for a while like this the solutions aren't like 100% it's not 100% easy yet to do and and that's part of the reason why it's not mainstream as we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast today because you just have to be you have to be like willing and open to problem solving because it's not all straightforward it's not all just like you learn this program it's not like you can just take a course to learn Chloe over a matter of several months and then you'll be an expert at it. It takes a, it still takes a lot of trial and error and just understanding really how the program works and how you can apply the solutions that you need to the information that you already have. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've been using Glow for around two years, more or less. And I don't consider myself an expert. <laughs> like yeah. I know a lot of things, but I know that there's a whole lot of things that I don't know yet. So Exactly. I know. And actually, um, I, I I think I'm pretty good at Chloe, but for the way that I use it. And it's just like Illustrator or other programs. It's not the same. Like Illustrator is huge. And like, I don't touch like often the color portions of Illustrator or like there's a lot of pieces of Illustrator that I don't use. And, and Chloe is not as massive, but there are a lot of areas of Chloe that I don't use. And it was like when you showed me your exploding bra, it was like stuff that I've never looked at before. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. There's like lots of areas of this program that I still don't know really well. Hmm. Okay. Um, we went through all of the features that I have listed here. Okay. So the next on my list are uh, avatars. Where are we at with avatars? We talked a little bit about soft body, but you're you're liking the Alphanon avatars? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I dislike from the Alphanon avatars that they are not editable. Like they have their own sizes. And if you are in between sizes, you're bad. <laughs> yeah. But I think they are good. Like if you happen to be one of the sizes that like they have a lot of sizes so probably you're going to be at least close to one of the sizes so i i really like them because they like the the space between the legs even in the ones that are not specifically for lingerie yeah. like even in the regular ones it's wider than the claw avatar mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's <laughs> way better yeah that's you better. can make your garments look way better with the mm-hmm. alvanon ones so are you still on the free trial for the alvanon avatars yeah, it's going to end in in January. I, think. I know. I'm going mine, to just, mine just ended. Yeah. Um. Do you think you'll purchase like any of the like because it's a it's a subscription base for the Albanon avatars. So do you think it's worth it for you to um, like would you get any of them? I don't know. I think maybe if I have a project that I like that I need an Albanon avatar yeah, for, like. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm experimenting. I'm actually experimenting with a new thing. Like, you know that I hate Dust VD. Yeah. <laughs> I have found something called Make Human, I think. And that, like, you can create a human shape based on measurements. Oh, 
interesting. And it's, it's not, like, it's not 100% accurate, but it's right. not bad. I will, like, I will send you the link afterwards. Okay. And right. you can refine the result in Blender, too, because the result is a bit rough mm. <laughs> sometimes. And so what I'm doing is, like, I do my person and then I bring it into Blender and like I refine a bit like the angles or like the shape of the underpass like that's sometimes oh cool you're you're that far in Blender like are you using the molding tools to do that or are you yeah. modifying the geometry molding tools cool and then I import it into Blender. but like the bad thing about that is like you don't have the nice avatars with like hair and like you can import okay. the textures and everything but they don't look as good as the one in in so, yeah, yeah, I don't like the ones in Clo that much, anyways. Except for Mia, <laughs> I think Mia's really pretty. <laughs> but like, yeah. it's still they still look like avatars. I don't know. They're okay. Yeah. I often just like turn off the texture if I'm gonna present my work like on an avatar. Um, Alvinon, I saw is is going to be coming out with an app next year where you can scan your body with your phone and they convert it to a I don't, I, I don't know if it's an OBJ or or like how you would use it as a consumer but um like the apps that scan your body are becoming really really accurate like based on like just stuff that I've read down to the millimeter like you can get accurate measurements of your body so I definitely see us using more of that in the future because like that's that's what we need right as designers you need like the measurements of the human body like that's the most yeah. important aspect of making a garment fit hmm. yeah and like that is good for that like to create a custom body shape but the measurement thing it's so like it's you have to use the plugin thing and the plugin is <laughs> a bit like Ugh. yeah I spent I spent a lot of time like learning that and figuring it out and I got a handle on it now but even like um if you try and change the the circumference of the bus <laughs> Daz has the opposite problem where it only like if you like if you try and change the circumference of the bus it only makes the bust bigger <laughs> like without yeah. like making the back <laughs> bigger as well so like you get these really gigantic boobs which is like maybe you need that but like maybe you don't want that like you and then you can uh, try adjusting the back as well you, there's like so many different features that you need to go in and try and figure out like what how to get that that measurement that you're looking for yeah yeah like I think the the perfect solution is that the Albanon avatars were a bit more like size editable or customizable yeah. in a way yeah because they have like the base is very good yeah. But then, like, if you need a bit more, like, I don't know, like a bigger cap size and they don't have that, yeah, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, they their intimates forms had a few cup sizes, but still, it's still, I feel like it's only four. Like, it's still a fairly yeah. limited range. Yeah. And also, they have, like, they are, like, pointy. <laughs> like, and they have the pointy nipples. Yeah. yeah. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. I know it's if not you model on top of that it's like you are going to see the point yeah you can see it you're yeah. supposed to be modeling a foam bra like that's <laughs> not realistic obviously but anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right Sophia let's um let's talk about AI and we like AI like I was watching YouTube videos from earlier this year and like the way that AI has just exploded like 
it was so it was brand new at the beginning of this year and now everybody's using it like i i use it i use chat gpd to help me like write my posts or help like it helps me um to create a summary of my podcast like it's it's just already starting to be so such a like immersed in the fabric of, of our society how how are you feeling about about it these days like i feel like during this year i've been like very cautious like I've been forming my opinion step by step yeah. and it's still a work in progress. But at this point, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of them aren't good. Are not good? <laughs> no. Like, okay. I like there's a diff, like there's AI and there's generative AI. And like the technology for AI, I think is super good. Like it can be super helpful for a lot of stuff. Like medicine, they are using it, like biology, physics even some parts of generative AI, uh, they have they have been using for that. And like they are predicting the structure of proteins and whatever, amazing. But what I see, like my concerns are first with the tools that we have right now, like uh, ChatGPT and MidJourney and DALI that are like the most widely available. I don't think they are ethical in the way that they have been trained with words that have copyright, but they haven't like <laughs> acknowledged that. And mm. especially in mid-journey and like the ones that use images, mm. they have been trained with words from artists that they haven't been asked <laughs> about that. Like they didn't have the possibility to opt out. Mm. And also they have not been compensated. Like they have mm. essentially work for free and a lot of people now are using those tools to create like to imitate the work of those artists and in a way steal from them so mm -hmm. as a creative person myself I don't like to use a tool that is hurting other creative people mm -hmm. so like if there was a, I think Adobe has like the Firefly AI that they have implemented now in Photoshop and they say they have like ethically trained that. I would like to like do some more research about that. But if there are tools that have been trained in a way that is respectful to the work of the artist, I would be open to use them. But right now, I don't feel good with myself actually. Mm -hmm. And also like the other part of my like this is not a concern, but it's more like a reflection. I haven't found a way for them to be useful for my work. Like <laughs> the other day I saw a post on LinkedIn of a person that had created um, a mood board with Midjourney, like fashion mood boards. And they were like based on a collection by Sair Moa. I don't know how to pronounce the name, but uh, these very like beautiful designers. And the AI had made like some designs that were based on that, and also have put like some images of marble stones because of reasons. Okay. And the person who made the post was like oh I'm very impressed this is amazing and I was like why how are you going to use that like a mood board is supposed to be your own inspiration that is going to help you create your collection or whatever 
you haven't been inspired and the mood board that the mid journey created is completely useless because it's, mm-hmm. it's not like it doesn't have a like a common thread it doesn't have an idea it's, mm-hmm. it's not showing you the like the base idea from which you can explore and create a collection it's showing you a couple of images put together and some inventions based on the work of another designer so what's the point mm-hmm. I, there's so <laughs> and, much to unpack yeah. <laughs> in what you're talking <laughs> about um <laughs> Like going, starting with uh, stealing from other artists and ethically sourced uh, AI images. That's that's a lot to consider, and I, I don't think I think about it too much. Like I know it's been a huge part of the conversation. <laughs> the, I don't use like the imaging um, AI very much. Part of the reason why I wanted to like bring up this topic was because it gets it gets muddled with the work that we do in 3d. Um, Mm. But um, like somebody made a post on Instagram and she made a um, like an app that you could use in chat GPT. So it will source the internet from like just various, like she, she said like use these like 10 websites that are like, um, websites that give information about trends, like things that are trending or things that like WGSN, Vogue, like various, you know, Bing is in there for some reason, like just like just use these sources to come up with trend inspiration for um, like it's an app. And so then when you put it in, you, you put it, you can put in like spring 2024 Aritzia swimsuits. And then it's just sourcing from like those apps that she's predefined and it comes up with a board. And then I used Dolly to make a board and I, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was ugly, but I thought it did a good job of like, it came up with like a color concept and it came up with like certain like stripes were in there a lot, like various like themes that would be interesting. And then I think that's a good place as a designer to start. Like, so you know that it's, that it's been sourced from these like specific locations and then you can take that and you can apply it as the designer now it's your job to refine this mood board to make it on trend because like chat gbt has already like sourced the internet for the trends that are that that i don't know people like i don't know how wgsn works either right like i don't know how these trends get identified um but they i think they invoke the spirit of the (laughs) or something (laughs) yeah um, but I, but I think that's a, that's a useful and potentially ethical way of using it. Yeah. Yeah. That can be like, as like, I'm not against the technology itself. I'm against the, how it's used currently, like in the biggest, like yeah. image generators. And I think they're like, for example, to analyze data and see what has been, uh, selling more these past exactly. few months, for example, and create a collection based on that and things like that. I think they can be useful, but to create, like to generate some kind of creative input, I think is useless. <laughs> like I still think it's useless because uh, imagine that you go and tell uh, journey to create a lingerie set and it does, and it's, it looks beautiful. But then if you're not a designer, you are probably very excited 
about something that cannot be made. It like, can't even be made. Yeah, like this is not a realistic garment. Like there's no way to get into it or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like what you're creating a problem that you shouldn't have. Like if you hired a designer to do that for right. you, like yeah. they would know what can and cannot be made and what yeah. would be within your budget as a brand or mm. a person who wants to have a brand. So it's like it's creating an extra step that is not making the life of anyone is <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. in terms of yeah like gathering data or analyzing them or creating some kind of like database of something of designers or whatever yeah. I think that can be useful in that way like it's it's a tool to make your work better but I don't think it has value when you use it to substitute your work <laughs> yeah yeah there's we gotta I think it's important and I, I think a lot of people do acknowledge that we gotta learn to use it safely and what exactly that means I think means just to be we just need to keep studying it and identifying where like like safety including like the safety of artists and their work right but also making sure that we just don't get dumb as humans because we're like yeah. relying on the like this machine to, to think for us but I think as long as we keep thinking about using it as a tool to advance our ideas um that's and how it can be useful to us like analyzing data like you want to give do you want to give consumers the right products that they're looking for at a given time and you can source like the whole internet very quickly to identify those types of things like that's useful right like that means that we're going to make better products with less waste which yeah. is the goal um and then and then let's talk about how it gets confused with ai i, I think i i posted something online and and somebody um wrote in the comments this is this is really this is really pretty but did you make it and this was like a 3D garment. It was this one, actually. Um, like, yeah, I spent a lot of time making that, putting it together. It's like, this is the blueprint for this garment that I made in the end. So it's not it's not just a generated image from a prompt. Like, they're two very different things. Do you, have you seen yeah. people getting confused between the two? Yeah. Yeah, and actually, now there are a couple of apps that trans can transform um, and sketch into a 3D-looking garment. But it's the same. If you look closely, you see that it has a lot of flaws. Like, it's not a real garment. Yeah. So, and I think, like, 3D and AI couldn't be more different, actually. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 3D takes a lot of time and a lot of skill. It's actually a very detailed work, and it's you invest a lot of time and it's very artisanal in a way like it's like yeah you use a computer to make it but it's almost like a manual job <laughs> like you're arranging arranging each piece it's top stitch it's uh, like the um, normal maps everything like you're, you're doing it by hand so I like I think a lot of people confuse it with AI because they don't understand the process. They just see a garment, like a pattern in 2D and then the garment in 3D. And it's like, oh, close 3D makes magic. <laughs> you put the pattern and it spits out a fully formed 3D garment. 
but it's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 20 hours later, you have yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes it takes knowledge of the garment. Like, you really have to understand how it goes together. Like, where does the underwire sit in relation to the cup of the bra? And, like, how is the, that um, seam allowance? Like, how where does it fall on this bra and so where's the top stitching happening and how is that elastic being applied exactly and um just all of those details that we learned when we're physically making bras they carry right over into our 3d work and then and then you also have to understand the 3d program yeah like you said like normal map like what is that you it's just it's some it's a new thing so you're, you're taking these original skills that you have and then you have to apply new skills to it as well so it's um a lot more it's it's much more complicated than just like asking it's you're not just putting in a pattern and telling Chloe to make like put it together like that's that's not the way it works and I think it will always be important to to that the the 3d designer understands the actual construction of the garment like I don't I don't know if necessarily moving into the future you'll have to also be the person like making the garment but like having a really good understanding like I like it's so nice to have like an example of that garment in front of you to understand how it goes together like a real any like any 3d artist that you watch they're always telling you to to look at references like make sure you have like references of the real thing in front of you or that you're looking at gar pictures of so that you can your 3d garment looks like the real garment hmm. yeah definitely like especially if you're going to use that 3d prototype to like to show to your customers or the factory or whatever you need to know how the real garment would be put together yeah yeah, yeah. and then there's two there's still like two distinct avenues i see with 3d's 3d design there's like the, the production and development of the garment so you don't necessarily need to add all the bells and whistles like you don't need to add the ring and slider or like a realistic image of a, a hook and eye on the back that's actually just going to complicate your garment and slow it down um when you're just doing it like the production and development like refining the fit of the garment the style lines and and those kinds of things and then you can take that garment if you wanted to make it customer facing use it in marketing or um, sales and do like a really nice pretty final photorealistic render of that garment to show like your customers like this is what this garment's going to look like and if you're doing your job as a 3d designer it looks like the real product yeah 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 and like you don't need to do all that extra work if you're just checking that the pattern fits yeah. so yeah yeah Okay, Sophia, we easily have gone over an hour as we always easily do. Um, I want to wrap up the the podcast today talking about the future. We're at the end of the year now. We ce we're celebrating. Yay. Like it was been it's been an amazing, such a fun learning journey. And it's been so much fun spending time with you and just growing together. Um, what do we see? What's happening in the in the new year? What are your goals? What do you want to keep learning? Where do you want to go with the business? I want to keep learning 3D, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get more into the animation side and like do pretty stuff. <laughs> like that pretty stuff that also has a use, like the exploding uh, panty that I made that it it like the point of that was also not just to look nice but also to explain the different parts of a garment 
So I, I want to explore more that kind of thing, like how to use 3D and animation capabilities and in a way storytelling to explain more about the garments. And I like that that area. And, and I also would like to create more courses. Like now I'm recording the same course that I did, but now in, in Spanish. And I'm adding a few stuff. <laughs> also, like I'm kind of updating it. And I I also started to plan the next course, like both in English and in Spanish, like for bralettes and like a bit more advanced garments. So I'm very excited about that. And I think my goal is just to keep learning and like I'm and to keep having fun and enjoying what I'm doing. Like I like this year for me, it has been really interesting because I like a year ago. I would not have thought that I would be so much into Swedish yeah. <laughs> and like creating courses about it and teaching about that and like very into the like different software that you can use and all that and like and actually finding a place in all that that I I think I can do something different in a way like yeah like mix the like the technical knowledge that I have on fashion with like the more creative side that I think in the past years uh, since I closed my brand I haven't been as creative as I would like to <laughs> so in a way this is coming back to that place from a different angle <laughs> yeah yeah I what love are your that. plans yeah. Um, for me, so first I want to say, I love that you are interested in both the functionality and the like beauty of your presentations. And I, I always see that in all of your work. Um, and I really appreciate that, uh, especially with like the, the exploding bra. Yeah. Super interesting take on, on how to use animation in a way that's also, um, interesting and useful. And, animation I feel like there's a lot of potential for that because when I look at at bras or any intimate apparel and it's shown on a real body in motion you get such a better idea of like how that garment functions and then same thing even like when you're wearing it like you might try it on for a minute and it looks great but it's really how it performs throughout like a whole day of wearing it that that matters in terms of like it being a a good and viable product well depending maybe you only want it for a few minutes like depending on <laughs> how you're using it but that's like, valid that's valid too yeah 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 um but uh like I feel like there's a lot of potential in animation taking taking our 3d samples to the next level and showing how they actually function in movement so yeah I like that Okay, so for me, I am excited about, yeah, just continuing to learn. I want to get, so I spent a lot of time this year learning and figuring out, like, if I liked doing what I'm doing, like, do I really like 3D? And it just keeps growing, like, those roots keep growing, and it just keeps expanding. I, I love working in 3D, particularly in 3D product development. I, I like doing like a beautiful 3D render, but I really like being part of the process of getting a garment from an initial concept to a final actual um, product that's sold to, to real human beings and like figuring out how 3D can be interwoven into that process and make it more efficient. 
And I also really love the podcast. So I want to just get more organized with it. Like it was the same thing this year. Like I was like, do I like doing it? Um, do I, is it going to be something that I want to keep going with? And I, I took a long break towards the end of the year because it was, it just got overwhelming to like do the, do the editing. And I think if I just get more organized with my time and planning out the process a little bit more, I can be more consistent with it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's good to take your time to see if you enjoy doing that or not, or you would like to change something along the way. So, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's just like an amazing excuse to like talk to people. <laughs> like if I meet somebody that I think is interesting rather than be like, can you jump on a call with me? It's like, hey, I have a podcast. Would you be interested in sharing your work? like with other people who are interested in hearing about it. And um, so we'll, I'll conclude the podcast now by saying that we have a really interesting guest lined up for early next year. And that's going to be Leisha. I don't remember your last name right now, but Sanders, she worked with I think. Sanders. Yes, Leisha Sanders. <laughs> and uh, her she has a little company called Stitch Love Studio, um, where she sells bra making supplies and, and patterns. Um, and she's also a freelancer on the side. And she has a deep history in browseware so we're going to have a good conversation i think about how we use clove versus browseware in the intimate apparel industry yeah yeah it's going to be super interesting yeah all right sophia thanks so much for doing another conversation with me it's been a great year and i'll let you go now yeah thank you so uh -huh. much <laughs>